Hello, everyone. This is Brian Saber. I am here with Jerry at his table in his kitchen in his home in Connecticut, where we've been hanging out once a month for a while and talking about all the topics that everyone is always interested in in the world of fundraising. And here's a juicy one for us. It is quid pro quo fundraising, when board members in particular ask their friends and family for gifts, and then their friends and family ask them for gifts in return. Jerry, what's your thought? Okay, let me tell you what I'm finding. When I first started in the business, and this goes back 40, 50 years ago, quid pro quo was quite a factor. Look, I gave you $20,000 for your charity. That's what I'm asking you for mine. And I would expect it. I am finding now, Brian, more and more that donors are able to say, even to a friend, oh, sure, I'll make a gift. But it won't be close to what you asked. You know, your organization just isn't what I'm most interested in. And... I do give generously, as you know, to the symphony in town and the Salvation Army and the Red Cross. And I'll make a gift to yours, but I won't give you nearly the $20,000 you asked for. And it's that in relation to that asker, that board member, having given $20,000 to this other person's organization? And that donor coming back and in a sense saying, well, you gave me 20 for mine, but I'm not going to give you 20 for yours. Yeah. And that's more and more. I find that's Mm. what's happening. Is that upsetting the donors then? I would think that unless the donor knew that there was a difference in capacity, that that donor would be frustrated and would be saying, well, I just gave 20,000 to Joe and Joe is only going to give five to me. How insulting is that? And that works both ways. Also, if I were the asker, I would say, Brian, we're very close, and you've been very generous when I've asked you for a gift. I want you to know that whatever you decide won't affect our friendship. I'd like you to consider a gift, or that's the donor asking the person being solicited, or the person being solicited would say, And I've done it myself. Brian, first of all, you did a great job in talking about the organization. And I want you to know, I'm not going to give you as much as you asked for. And I don't want this to affect our friendship. That's very important to me. I've decided over the past few years that I'm only going to give to organizations I really feel keenly about and that that usually does it Mm -hmm. so excuse me I want to make sure it's not going to affect the friendship yes so this topic's been on my mind for a while which is why I've brought it up to you and and as you know I work with a lot of small organizations and what I see in those organizations which I find so frustrating is board members basically being told, okay, hit up your list. We're having a gala. 
uh, we hope you'll send an invitation to everyone. We have an end-of-year letter-writing campaign. We hope you'll send a personalized letter out to everyone. And so these board members wanting to do the right thing, which they feel is what they've been asked to do, will send out these invitations and send out these letters, often get a very small return. Or when they get a return and someone buys two tickets to their gala, then is asked for two tickets to their friend's <laughs> gala. And and I find, A, most board members really can't stand this type of fundraising, that some of them are very frustrated because they feel they're more generous to their friends than their friends are to them. <laughs> uh, but the biggest issue I have is that in so many cases, board members, they do that job and say, okay, organization, I did that. And I got this $5,000 for you from 25 of my friends. But please don't bug them for anything else. I don't want you to contact them. I don't want you to send them newsletters or anything. And what happens often is the only relationship is between the donor and the board member. The donor never develops a relationship to the organization because there's this wall that the board member has set up thinking, I don't want you to bother my friends. They gave this as a favor to me. And this is, as I say, this happens a lot in the small to mid-sized organizations where I do a lot of my work. And and I keep thinking, well, we're going in circles here then because we're not finding donors who are going to have a long-term relationship with us. So where are we really getting and how difficult are we making it for our board members? They're doing the work for us, but they're doing it begrudgingly because... It's terrible work. Yeah. So what do you think of all that? Well, I think if the board member says, don't contact this person, that's a problem. They can't be overcome. Interesting, I'm thinking back. In all of my experience, I've never had a board member say, don't contact this person. Not once. Isn't it interesting? It is. Do you think some of it might be the the dichotomy? Though we've both worked with organizations over the spectrum, you being Jerry Panis and having this firm and doing so many capital campaigns, you've worked with more, I would think, more significant organizations. You've worked with so many universities, so many hospitals and such. And I've worked with some really little local social service agencies with $100,000 budgets where various board members are trying to raise $500 or $1,000. Sure, sure. And I wonder if there's a difference. I think that, I think that may be the yeah, case. Yeah. Because I certainly didn't feel it when I did work for my alma mater. Right. And the board members of the trustees of the university were not doing what we're talking about, right? They were looking strategically for people. They were looking at alums who they knew who they might be able to bring closer to the organization. It yeah. was different. Yeah. I think that may make the difference. In that case, size of gift. Yeah, I can think of so many cases where the donor has said, I don't want this to affect our friendship, mm-hmm. but your organization just isn't on my list. Yeah. And they're willing to say that. It's not easy. It's not easy yes. to do. Yes. Right. I mean, some people will want to avoid that conversation yeah. as much as they can. I've had board members say to me, and I can <laughs> think of one in particular in Chicago at the moment, who said, I cannot stand asking my friends. Some of them, I think, are cheap. They could give more. I'm giving more to their organizations. I'm only raising a total of $3,000 anyway. 
how about if I just give you the $3,000? And I say, great. I just assume you give me your money and your friends give their organizations their money because then you have a bigger investment here where you care. It gets back to the point you were yeah. making, Jerry, about giving your money where you care. And I see with so many of these mid-level donors, board members who are giving five or $10,000 at a million-dollar organization – so they're giving 10000 to this organization, and they're giving another ten in little increments to all their friends yeah. and raising that. And wouldn't it be nice if they gave the 20 Exactly. where they care and sure. their friends gave their money to sure. theirs? Yeah. Sure. The answer is that more and more I'm seeing that that kind of fundraising is less and less. Great. Yeah. Less and less. Quid pro quo. Well, that's a great yeah. direction for our nonprofit sector, yeah. I think. Now, where there's a problem, and then it's up to the organization to provide proper stewardship so that the donor feels keener about the organization and may even get involved. I don't think it's appropriate or proper or helpful for the donor to be attached to the uh, salesperson, solicitor. It should be to the organization. Right, right. So people often ask me about special events and fundraising, and uh, there are hundreds of people at a gala. And I try to get them to see that most of those people probably won't have a direct relationship. They're there because you're honoring someone. They're there as a favor to someone at the table or something. There's a core group that will, and those are the people to focus on for the future. Do you do right. much in special events, and what do you see? Because a lot of the special events, let me clarify, actually, that the reason why I mention this is that organizations often depend on their boards to sell seats for the galas. They might have a requirement. Every board member has to buy or fill a table or something like that. So board members come through and do that, but it doesn't mean most of those people are going to be good prospects for the future. You may not like my answer. <laughs> Go for it. I think special events are tough, and I don't call that philanthropy. Mm. Not in the real sense. They're buying tables. And, for instance, when the bank buys a table, does the president of the bank come mm. and the chairman of the board? And No. I agree with that very much, and I think if we could share that with others, they'd feel more comfortable and Brian, in their role. And when you say, let me tell you why we decided to make this the largest gift, that organization is doing such an extraordinary you tell, I guess, yes, yes. the story of the organization. Yes. And in a sense, that comes full circle to quid pro quo and the idea of board members and their role, uh, because board members certainly can and should go to people who have more capacity than them, but they first have to have made what for them is, is a significant a gift or yeah. a stretch gift, yeah. right? Without that, we can't get our board members to do quality fundraising because they're not in a strong sure. position. And if the board doesn't care, why should anybody? Exactly, exactly. Good place to wrap up quid pro quo fundraising, though we could spend hours on this like any of our topics. So as always, thanks, Jerry, for sharing your wisdom. <laughs>